Hey, what's up, everybody? This is The Greatest Show on Dirt coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studio. I've got Brody in-house. Say what's up, Brody. Yep, that's him on the mic. Don't know if you heard him or not, but, you know, it's like a dog whistle. You have to have dog ears to kind of hear that. But um, I, don't have, I don't have a guest on the show today. I know me and Courtney recorded on Monday, and right now Courtney and Jonathan are both out. But I'd had some notes and, you know, to talk about some matchups that had happened, you know, over the weekend. And I really didn't want to wait on a guest. So you're officially 100% stuck with me and me only. So lay in bed, put this on, and get ready to fall asleep because it's going to be, I mean, the voice, you know, my voice is, um, it's, it's, it's seductive and it's very cool and calming. So make yourself comfortable. And uh, <laughs> what I wanted to talk about, so here's what I couldn't wait to talk about. I'd had some notes recorded from the Monday show, but me and Courtney had basically talked about uh, the Chicago Cubs and what they had, you know, going on over the past few days. But there were two matchups that happened over the weekend that I wanted to talk about. Uh, a couple episodes ago, me and Jonathan had talked about teams that we didn't think were going to be that good, but now they're kind of the real deal. And among those teams, two of them were the Atlanta Braves and the Los Angeles Angels. The Atlanta Braves being a really young up-and-coming team, and then the Los Angeles Angels, just a team that made some pretty good off-season moves, obviously Shohei Otani being the number one, but also Zach Cozart and uh, Ian Kinsler, things like that. They've got a healthy Garrett Richards and, you know, things like that, whoever else. But pretty much what I want to look at is that. And over the weekend, the Braves played the Red Sox, so I figure, hold that thought. Yeah, never mind that interlude. Actually, I had to tend to Brody. He saw a bird out the window, and he was looking for lunch, but he forgot I feed him. Uh, so that's what we're going over, basically, is the conversation that me and Jonathan had. We kind of wondered if the Braves were the real deal and the Angels were the real deal. And over the weekend, you had the Angels playing the Yankees, who probably at this point are the best team in all of baseball, pitching, bullpen, offense. And then the Red Sox, which are the other best team in all baseball, and that's who the Braves ran into. So real interesting matchups, and this is kind of what I couldn't wait to talk about, solo or not. The Braves and the Angels were both in a three-game set, and each team only won one game, but there was some stuff kind of within those matchups that we can look at and analyze. So the number one question that kind of I want to know, are the Braves, were they ever capable of being competitive with the Red Sox? Because we know if they are and how they played over the series and what we saw, that might tell us, you know, how they would play, you know, how they might be playing post-All-Star break as it gets closer to October. So on Friday, Friday was the first game which the Red Sox won. Julio Tehran pitched six innings, three earned runs. Good outing for him. Julio had a rough 2017. Phenomenal 2016, a guy that was, I think, low three ERA over 200 innings pitch. But six innings and three earned run off the Boston Red Sox team in Fenway with that kind of pressure from a young team. I'm totally okay with it. The offense, on the other hand, was a little shaky the, out of the whole entire Braves team. Only there wasn't a player with only uh, more than one hit, right? So nobody on the Braves team had more than a hit. A um, couple doubles on the night by Marcakis and Dansby Swanson. They were one for nine with runners in scoring position. Um, but Julio did pitch good. He had 16 first pitch strikes. That was facing 24 batters. So what I pretty much do is like I'll go to MLB.com and look at the game day situation, and it'll tell you how he how he fared with each hitter and kind of what pitches he was throwing, how fast they were, and how the count started. There were, I think, six 0-2 counts and a lot of first pitch strikes, which is huge, especially when you have a lineup 
in Boston that's hit more home runs than anybody in the entire league of Major League Baseball, right? That's a huge deal. But, you know, Friday, Boston, they played their game. They hit four home runs. I think they're second overall in the league in home runs and slugging. So they're hitting bombs all the day. Um, Xander Bogarts hit a monster, and then J.D. hit a hanging curveball. I think both of those home runs were off Tehran. Um, the, the slider that Xander Bogarts hit out just got – too much of the plate, and then J.D. Martinez, a home run he hit, was just a curve that just kind of hung up. But beyond that, I think most of what Julio Tehran did was pretty good pitching as far as like getting ahead of the count because I think that's super important. I know early in the year when Shohei Otani faced the Red Sox, he racked up a pretty high pitch count, came out of that game early with like a blister issue. And, you know, I think that I, th- I think he was shook by the situation, but it didn't look like Julio Tehran was really shook up by the situation, I would say for sure. Um, but as it kind of sits here, I know Julio gave up three earned, then the bullpen gave up three earned. And as I was kind of unpacking this whole situation, it seems like with Boston or excuse me, with Atlanta, they're they're starting pitching. I like um, Sean Newcomb pitched on Saturday. It seems like the bullpen for Atlanta could have been a little shaky. I know. Let's go over this again because I know I've got a bunch of notes here. It looks like on Saturday, the Braves bullpen, they were popped for five runs over five innings. And I think that might be kind of what I unpacked over the weekend, what's going to be the weak point of the Atlanta Braves team in this such a big matchup because the starters, I think, pitched well enough. Sean Newcomb got into early trouble on Saturday's game. He only went three innings and gave up three hundred. He walked four guys, which was crazy, and he only threw 88 pitches. And out of those 88 pitches, there were 48 strikes. So that in itself was a pretty season low for Newcomb. But I like Sean. You know, I don't – he's been pitching really well all season, and I don't mind the hiccup. I'm really glad, you know, if you're a Braves fan – you have to be really excited that they got to go into Fenway early and got a chance to play an interleague game in Boston because you know, Boston and Yankee Stadium are the two biggest stages I think you can play on in all of baseball, especially with being such a young team. And this year, Sean Newcomb coming into his own. Yeah, he got into some trouble, racked up a high pitch count, probably because of nerves. You know, 88 pitches, 48 strikes. You know, what are you really going to do with that? ton of pressure playing there, but the Braves lost eight to six that night, put up six runs. That's a pretty good deal. Acuna hit a solo home run off Craig Kimbrell in the ninth, a 97 mile an hour four seamer. Now Acuna right now, they diagnosed him with a mild ACL sprain. He's on the 10 day DL. I don't know when he'll be back, but there's not that structural damage. His fall when his knee buckled past first base looked a lot like what Bryce Harper's did last year. And Bryce Harper had structural damage. He was out for a significant amount of time. Hopefully, it's not going to look like that with Acuna. It doesn't seem. But the the Braves, they got to a lefty and Drew Pomerantz pretty good. You know, he hasn't been having a good year. But, you know, they hit Drew well. Now they faced Eduardo Rodriguez on Friday. And they, they didn't do so good about him. But then again, on Saturday, you had bullpen troubles. And I wonder, I had tweeted this last night, if ever, depending on what the San Francisco Giants postseason situation is going to look like. You've got a San Francisco team that's got a depleted farm system and a really good reliever in Hunter Strickland right now. And I wonder at some point if the San Francisco Giants will start to take calls on Hunter Strickland because I I don't think that they're going to come close to making the playoffs. They're 
McCutcheon and Longoria, they're unfortunately, at least at this point, not having some sort of crazy resurgence. And as soon as the L.A. Dodgers start playing their baseball, now they've got Turner back. I think Kershaw's set to pitch here pretty soon. And if old Richie Hill can ever get that blister situation taken care of, I think the kids will be good. And I think San Francisco's going to fall off. But what the Braves and also the Philadelphia Phillies have, they got they got players, they got prospects, they got farm systems. And Hunter Strickland, I think he's last four years, at least three of those seasons, pitched over 60 innings or really close to it and had a sub-3 ERA. So that's an arm that's going to be worth something. And I think if you play it like that, a, a team could pull – Hunter Strickland away, maybe for some prospects. I didn't read that anywhere. That honest to God, that was me making that up at 2 a.m. when I was just watching baseball on baseball on Memorial Day. Um, and that'd be huge. And I think that's going to be one of the Braves' huge weaknesses coming here. Sunday, Sunday was the most impressive game for the Atlanta Braves because Chris Sale pitched and they got Sale for six runs and four and a third. That immediately would probably want to make Chris Sale cut up another jersey. I'm sure he was super, super mad, but they got him. Tyler Flowers hit a 97-mile-per-hour banger over the Green Monster. Freddie took a 79-mile-per-hour breaking ball almost over the wall. Then Mike fulton threw a three-hitter in one earned over seven innings. So that's what I'm going to say right now. You've got these three pitchers in Atlanta. So Julio Tehran, we already know he can pitch good. We didn't see it last year. He was amazing in 2016. Mike fulton is having a phenomenal year. I might have some stats on him. Nothing crazy other than he's just pitching phenomenal. You can go to Baseball Reference yourself and figure it out. He's real good. But then, you know, you got Sean Newcomb, who's a 6'5", 255-pound powerhouse. The guy looks like a tight end on a football team. But he's, he's a good, finessing lefty, generally has – Good control, didn't have it, but still, for Atlanta, what they've got to look forward to is they dropped two out of three, but what's great is they dropped the first two, came in, won this game three off of Chris Sale, and that's going to tell me a few things about this young team. One, they're resilient. So you go to Fenway, and you get your butt stomped for a couple nights off guys that really aren't their aces and Rodriguez and Drew Pomerantz. And then you go into Sunday looking at Chris Sale having dropped the first two games in Fenway. I, you know, being a young guy, I imagine you get, get you could get in your head a little bit because you, you don't have that maturity. But this team did it. And they did it in a very convincing fashion because they hit Chris Sale so well. Um, other things that I have as far as the Atlanta Braves are concerned, I look at this Red Sox series – and I'm sold on the Atlanta Braves. I think in the ALE, or excuse me, the NL East, I believe that the NL East could, is the best division in the National League for sure. I'd have to kind of, you know, grind up the gears a little bit to see if I thought that in the American League. But you're looking at an NL East team of a Washington Nationals team who's going to get guys back. A Philadelphia Phillies team that's in a very similar situation to the Atlanta Braves. They need somebody that can come out of the bullpen and dominate very similar to what the Chicago Cubs did in 2016, where they knew they had to get a roll this. And the Cubs don't win that World Series without Chapman. And, you know, he made it happen. It was such a huge arm. And I look at what the Phillies have done and what the Atlanta Braves did over this weekend. And I'm looking for these teams that they're only, the Braves are only going to get stronger in the second half. And if they can finesse that bullpen and add a big arm, you're looking at a team that can make the playoffs, which is big trouble for teams like the Brewers and the Cardinals and the Cubs 
oftentimes you'll get three teams in the NL Central making the playoffs, but that's not going to happen this year, and someone's going to get left out, and it's going to be because of the Braves and the Phillies. So I'm looking at this series right now. The Atlanta Braves starters do 16 innings and seven earned runs. That's a 3.94 ERA against the best offensive team in all of baseball. I'm fully convinced that the Atlanta Braves' top three guys pitching can hang with any three you've got in all of Major League Baseball. And, you know, I I like where they went right now. At least the last time I looked, the Braves were in first place. And then you had your wildcard teams at the Nationals and the Phillies. That, that, That speaks to the strength of the NL East. And personally, I had no idea the Braves were going to be this good because of everything that happened in the offseason. But Acuna's and Ozzy Albies, they're basically Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. They're the Legion of Doom. Like, pick any combo. They're Shaq and Kobe. Pick any great combo in any sport you want. And Albies and Ronald Acuna Jr. are doing just that. And then the vet play from these guys. You've got Kurt Suzuki who's having a great year. Freddie Freeman's doing Freddie Freeman things. But what's crazy is I've they're getting good play from the catchers. So you're talking Tyler Flowers. You're talking Kurt Suzuki. Nick Morcakis leads the National League in maybe the whole entire league in home and excuse me in hits, which is ginormous. The Braves are officially the real deal. They dropped two or three at Fenway. The weekend was a success. End of story. The Angels. I'm not fully convinced on the Angels. Again, you still had a team. They took one of three from the Yankees. Otani was supposed to pitch on Sunday, and this is a bit interesting because I'm wondering why Shohei Otani didn't pitch. I know it was cited workload management, which is why Otani didn't pitch, but I'm curious if the Angels and Mike Sosha just didn't want to put him in that situation at Yankee Stadium just yet. He's 23 years old, hasn't played an ounce of minor league ball, so when he got when he got called up, he struggled and then, you know, struggled in spring training. Then all of a sudden came out of the woodwork, throwing 100 and hitting 450 foot bombs or whatever it is. I mean, there's no doubt right now that he's got an over 900 OPS and a 330 ERA. He struck out 50 guys and bats like over 300 right now. It's exceptional what he's doing. It's, it's truly otherworldly. But part of me thinks that the Angels could have held him back on purpose. So workload management could be one thing, but also they might have, this early in the year, not wanted to put him through the stressors of such a big stage because he's such a young player and because it's very early in the season and he's he's new to Major League Baseball. And I wouldn't fault Mike Sosha and co. at all for looking at Otani and being like, hey, let Let's back this guy up and maybe not throw him into the situation right now. And, and I'm, I'm totally okay with that. But to me, workload management could possibly mean let's not put him in this situation yet. We've got a six-man rotation. Let's pump the brakes. Let's have him hit on this big stage. And then if we come to Yankee Stadium later in the year or whatever, th- then we'll do that. But also, I thought part of that, and I get it, right, if you're listening to this, This is a very, like, this take is on Pluto right now, pal, and Pluto's not even a planet. But there's a chance that if, you know, if the Yankees, or excuse me, if the Angels are going to make the postseason, it's going to be a wild card. It's going to be a one-game wild card, right? Wrap your head around this. Angels go to the postseason because Angels aren't winning their division. One-game wild card. Who do they play? Their 100% chance would play the Yankees or the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox will win the division. My money is that the Angels and the Yankees 
would play in that wild card game. Maybe you throw Otani on the mound because the Yankees have never seen him before. Generally, if a team has never seen a pitcher before, that advantage oftentimes goes to the pitcher because you know, I just haven't seen him yet. It's hard to hit a baseball. And Shohei Otani, you know, a guy that he's got the most devastating splitter possibly in all of baseball. It's a top five pitch probably like a top two, and then everything else he does, throwing 100, very versatile guy. I think that could be part of it. This three-game series, though, the Angels lost 1-2, to two, then they won 11-4, to four, and that was Mike Trout's monster, 5-5. Five for five. I think a home run, like three doubles and a couple singles or whatever, and then they lost 1-3, to three, right? And most of these games, everything... It wasn't really anyone's fault. Obviously, like, if you look at those scores, the Angels' offense, right? They had a bad time. In two of these three games, they only scored one run. That's fine. Starting pitching, I mean, nothing was really bad. Garrett Richards went two and a third and gave up three earned runs on Sunday. He threw 70 pitches. And he's already faced the Yankees this year, and he's 0-2. And part of that is, like, he couldn't find the strike zone. Again, this is at Yankee Stadium. Garrett had thrown 51 pitches through a couple innings. 51 pitches through... Shoot, through two innings, yeah. And then in the third inning, he walked like three guys. I mean, he walked a guy in. So I the, the big stage really didn't fare Garrett Richards too well, but I'm not inclined to be so lenient on what the Angels are because I feel like their problems are a little more glaring than most because I don't trust anyone in their starting rotation outside of Shohei Otani. And... Like, okay, so you've got Nick Tropiano, Garrett Richards, Parker Bridwell might come back at some point. And then, like, I'm thinking of guys in the bullpen, their original closers on, like, the disabled list. Cam Bedrosian, I think, has got an earned run average of under three, like a 286 or something like that. It's just, oh, they've got another starter. I can't think. Tyler Skaggs. And all I've seen this year, I feel like with their starters is because if you don't watch a lot of baseball, I'll stay up till 2 a.m. and watch baseball. I don't care. And my job, they can just suffer through it when I come to work and I'm a grump. Like, bring me coffee, right? I'm living my best life watching baseball. But that's what you do when you bring the news. <laughs> um, the Angels, you know, their starters, they're, they're hit and miss. They really are. But then with their bullpen is, listen, here are the numbers. Their bullpen is 10th. In Major League Baseball, I don't know what that means. I'm trying to read my notes. Okay, here's what you got to know. <laughs> the Angels' bullpen, right, they're 27th in hits allowed, meaning, like, they only allow more hits than three other teams. They only allow less hits than three other teams. They're at the bottom of the league in hits allowed. Wrap your head around this. 27th. They're 18th in batting average against their fourth in strikeouts, which is great. But they're 25th in home runs allowed. And I'm doing that backwards. So the number one team, right, would have the less home runs around. That's how I did it on baseball reference. So here's what you got to know about the Angels' bullpen. They give up a ton of hits. Players have a good batting average against them. And they give up a bunch of home runs. Now, they did well, right? The bullpen was great at Yankee Stadium. But I don't suspect that to happen often. Or, you know what I mean? Because, like, the numbers just aren't there for them because they just, they're not there. The starters, well, the starters are eighth, right? In ERA, the Angels starters are. They're sixth in average against. So 
that's pretty high up right now, but they're they're towards the bottom of the league in home runs. They're seventh in strikeouts, and I can look at all of this and say, well, the all Angels pitchers, they can really strike guys out, which I think is a pretty good foundation to hopefully build upon because you're in this, you know, three true outcome league. And I feel like there's never been a time where more home runs have ever been hit. So, you know, if you can strike a guy out, then you keep the ball from going over the fence. But it doesn't seem like the Angels are really doing that to any success. They can strike you out, but they'll also give up the long ball, which is kind of the thing. They don't have the bullpen to, you know, look at this number right here. And innings pitched for the Angels starters, they're 15th in all of baseball, right? So they're middle of the pack. Um the Yankees are 24th in innings pitch, so the Yankees are even getting less innings out of their starters, but the Yankees got the bullpen for it. The The Angels, they do not have the bullpen for their innings pitch for starters to be mid-range in all of baseball. They just don't. And right now, you've got a team where, you know, the Angels are third in the division. They're slipping right now. They really are. And, you know, I got a feeling the offense isn't clicking a whole lot outside of Trout and Otani because you're not even getting every day out of Otani. But Cozart, right now, he look at this. So the Angels over the weekend against the Yankees were four for 21 with runners in scoring position. But that's a buck 90 average. Cozart's OPS, that Cozart's 719. Albert's 688. Upton, 783. The league average is 722, and Cozart and Pujols, and I think Ian Kinsler are all hitting below league average. Upton, well, he's higher than league average, but he's about 100 points slower than what he needs to be. So these are three important guys that still aren't putting the ball in play, and then therefore that's going to put stress on Trout, who's recently just broken out of a slump where he wasn't hitting too well, I think, in like his last 25 at-bats. Because the guys around him that should be protecting him, they're just not swinging the bat well. And those guys are going to have to come around. So, you know, when I look at the Los Angeles Angels, I at, at this point, they're not a contender, right? They're only real-life pretenders. <laughs> and it's because of that. It's because you've got too many things right now that are failing, right? So I can look at that Brave series and be like, there's a lot of things to feel good about with the Atlanta Braves coming off that Fenway series. But with the Angels, like you've got like offensive problems, then you've got bullpen problems, and then you've got starter problems where starters aren't going deep into the game. So that's kind of the thing. But either way, that's kind of all I want to talk about. So you've got 22 minutes of me recording by myself. So I hope you're um, uh, <laughs> going to watch some baseball tonight. I'm not too sure what games are going. I know Houston is still playing the Yankees right now. They uh, Oh, Verlander tipped his cap to uh, Yankee Stadium yesterday because they were booing him hard. But he pitched six and two-thirds innings and gave up one earned run. And if you could do that against the New York Yankees, that is a phenomenal start. He has a 1.11 ERA right now. Justin Verlander is the best pitcher in baseball. Right this moment, that's your guy. If your life depends on it, let Verlander strike someone out. And he's doing it real, real good. Um, other than that stuff on the docket, I think we'll go ahead and close this show out. We should be back to recording at least with some sort of guest, I would say, on Thursday. But otherwise, we'll try to keep them coming your way since we are in the new Sweet Bee Studios. And until then, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>